Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to A View from the Bullens in partnership with the Fitzrovia Bell London, our official away day pub for all Evertonians. And fanscapes.co.uk, made by fans for fans. takes Queen's Park Rangers through the job is complete and Everton are out of the League Cup competition having lost the penalty shootouts by eight spot kicks to seven Hello and welcome back to A View From The Bullins with me, Mick Kemp, Lee McLean and Matthew Neal. Lee, QPR 2, Everton 2 full-time. However, Everton go out of the Carabao Cup 8-7 on penalties down in London last night. You've had an evening to sleep on it. You've had an evening to think on it. Now you have thought on it. What are your thoughts? Um... I think my thoughts are probably echoed, judging by the reaction on social media, which is obviously what you look at in the aftermath. You get an instant reaction now these days, thanks to Twitter and the likes. Probably the same as most Evertonians, Mick. It's it's that air of inevitability about what was going to happen last night. We could all see it coming, Um, even more so when we had the injuries leading up to the game and we knew that we were going to be depleted again going into it away from home at a side doing okay in the championship Charlie Austin 
again, you say that name and there was an air of inevitability about what was going to happen there. But with Everton, it, it, it always follows the script. You know, our good feeling always seems to come true. You know, there never seems to be a surprise, you know, and we put in a performance. It, it, what happened was exactly what we expected to happen, unfortunately, again. And that was another massive, massive letdown. I feel sorry for the 3,000 unbelievably loyal and passionate Evertonians that were behind that goal last night. Your heart just, you just want to think about them. You know, coming back, getting home late, early hours in the morning last night to go to go, go and watch your side go out to QPR and Charlie Austin. I've just heard him on the, on the radio on the way home from work on Talk Sport messing around. And he's just give our defenders a lesson and scored two goals against us. Charlie Austin, you know, it's, it's predictable, it's disappointing. But listen, anyone can go out on penalties. So it's, it's a lottery. I'm, I'm not going to judge us on the penalty shootout, let's forget about that. It should never have got to penalties. Um, you know, the fact is we failed to beat QPR in 90 minutes. But to be fair, I said it before the game, I wasn't sure just how clear favourites we were going into that game with the starting eleven that we had. And it just highlights the humongous, the enormous drop-off in quality that we Everton have in our squad when our first eleven aren't available. What's behind our first eleven is mostly garbage like utter dross and they, they have proven themselves to be not good enough time and time again over the past few years. I look at the bigger picture and it just points at the gross negligence that's played out in the last four or five years in terms of recruitment at every football club, which has resulted in the squad we see in front of us now. Somewhere along the line in the last four or five years, someone or a group of people I've decided Tom Davis was better than Nikola Blasic, for example. That Asmir Begovic is better than Joe Virginia or Martin Olsen, for another example. That Solomon Rondon was the best option available. Someone's telling me that Solomon Rondon, out of the whole world of football, given the resources we have available to us, the scouting network that we're supposed to have, that he is the best option available to us. Now, I'm not bashing... Um, Rondon because it's not his, he's not fully fit so I don't think it's fair to fully judge him when he's not fully fit but to be honest I'm not quite sure that 100% fit Rondon is anywhere near good enough to be pulling on an Everton shirt I'm not having it that he's the best option available um, listen it's it's disappointing but to be honest I wasn't overly shocked at the result when I, when I saw the injuries that we had the starting eleven that was on the pitch to begin with, I had a horrible feeling that we were going to go out last night and that's exactly what happened. So I'm disappointed. It's another chance. It's possibly our best chance of silverware despite Man City's recent dominance. Obviously, we've, you've got a better chance of winning the League Cup than you have the league. We're not going to win the league. Um, that chance is gone all too early again. You know, We're, we're only in September and, that, and that's gone. So we've realistically only got the FA Cup to play for now and we know how difficult that is. So it's really, really disappointing. I hope these two defeats on the spin don't damage the, the confidence too much heading into what is now a huge game on Saturday because we've got Man United next. We ain't getting nothing out of that. So we have to pick ourselves up quickly and dust ourselves off from last night because otherwise, if we don't beat Norwich, who are the whipping boys of, of this year and will continue to be until May, then you fear 
for us this season and what it could turn into. It could turn into a very, very average season. And it would be a shame after the start we've made. But last night, massively disappointing. Matthew, just looking at the, the actual game rather than the bigger picture, which we will look at. We have lots to talk about this evening. Did you think we were that bad? I mean, the first half QPR were obviously the better team and they rightfully went in ahead at the break. But the second half, Everton had more of the ball, created more of the chances, arguably could have had a penalty as well and maybe should have won it in normal time. So given the players that Everton had out and obviously without naming them all, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Richarlison, Pickford, Coleman, and then obviously the likes of Alan, Decore, Mina were not starting or nowhere to be seen. Do you think the 11 players on the pitch gave a good account of themselves? Uh, not all 11 of them, Mick. Um, unfortunately, the ones that have let us down before, let us down again. Um, to analyse the performance as a whole, I thought similar trend to the whole of the season so far, to be honest. That first 30 minutes in our, since Raf has taken over in most of our games so far, it's actually been really, really poor. Um, conceding goals or not quite getting into the game uh, and that was that, that loss to the game last night you know conceding two really really sloppy goals and we're talking basics here we're talking real basics and that happens too many times with us soft soft goals you know I mean how many times do teams have to really you know rip us open to, 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 to score a goal or score do they have to score a 25 yarder from you know to, to win it to win the game they don't because we give them goals um you know the first goal there is just Kenny John Joe Kenny I'm sorry um you know he, he's just not good enough he doesn't stop the cross you know the rebound coming in that's you know second balls you know everyone stood still you know and letting Austin score we get back into the game I thought we I thought we I thought Awobi should have put that goal, that one-on-one in, no doubt about that. But we got back into the game with a, a well-worked goal. Lucas Digne, good to see him back on the, the score sheet. That, that's, that's his first goal in two years, and we're only just talking about him in the last podcast, so it's good to see him back on the score sheet. But then you're thinking, right, we're a Premier League team. We've got to take over the game here, and we didn't. The midfield got overrun all night. Tom Davis and Andre Gomez just doesn't work as a partnership. If you go back to Marco Silva's last season in charge and when Carlo Ancelotti first took over, it was a Davies-Gomez type midfield situation going on and we had the worst midfield in the league. And you saw that again last night. They just don't work. They, they, get, they, get, out, they get outplayed. They get bullied physically. And QPR got on the front foot again and they scored another really easy goal. The centre-back partnership with Holgate and Godfrey just didn't work. Then, you know, neither of them are good enough in the air. And for the goal, Godfrey gets caught underneath the ball, a really simple ball, a Premier League defender of his quality, and he's got quality, should be dealing with very, very easily. And he don't. And we're back under the cosh as soon as we score. And that was the biggest disappointment for me last night, Mick, that they didn't take hold of the game at the point that they equalised. Sometimes you can see goals. It's just one of those things. But to concede two really poor goals against a championship team was the worst part of last night. You know, you get back into the game and I thought the second half performance was good. How on earth 
we never got a penalty for the foul on Decore in the second half. I'll never know. Kevin Friend, I thought he had a really poor game. I actually think the refereeing performances from the last three games have been nothing short of diabolical. Um, and, you know, Michael Keane, again, he comes on and I thought he had a free header, you know, three yards out and he turned, he's turned his back on it really, hasn't he? And he's fired that over. And we had more than enough in, in the second half to win the game. Um, but, and, and, you know, penalty shootouts, what they, I actually thought we, I didn't think the shootout was too bad from, the, from a penalty-taking point of view. I thought the players dealt with it pretty well. Uh, they were all pretty decent penalties. Uh, I thought Begovic could have done better with a few. And, you know, you look back at that and you look, at, you look back at their fifth penalty, I think it was Chris Willock. You know, that's, that's right at Begovic. And you'd expect a, a Premier League goalkeeper, even though he's a backup, to save that. So, again, you know, overall, you know, the performance is similar to what we've seen. Poor starts, getting back into the game, but then errors, defensive errors, are going to let us down. And if we continue to do that all season, Mick, we're not going to have a good season. We've got to, we've got to start keeping clean sheets because we've seen positives going forward this season. I think the forward play this season has been miles better than what we've seen over the last two or three seasons. Really fluid play at times. But if you're going to concede soft goals in this league, you've got no chance. Lee, uh, certain players are coming under a lot of criticism, as you can imagine, on social media. Two in specifically at the moment are Andre Gomez and Tom Davis, who obviously played in centre midfield last night. They're coming under heavy criticism. What are your thoughts on Andre Gomez and Tom Davis, two different sort of players. Obviously, one's on maybe a lot of money wage-wise, one's on maybe not so much. But nevertheless, they both um, got their chance last night to impress the new management, impress the fans, fans back in stadiums, obviously. What are your thoughts on Andre Gomez and Tom Davis at the moment? Neither of them are anywhere near good enough. and It's, it's as simple as that. Um, I'm not going to single one out over the other. Like he said, you know, the, the situations are slightly different. Andre Gomez, in terms of expectations, should be doing a lot better than he is with the pedigree that he's got. You know, coming from Barcelona, the player we saw in the first few months at Everton. Um, I know he's had horrific injury, so there might be more mitigating factors with him. But at the end of the day, he's declaring himself fit and his performances, for the most part, are not great. Um he had a couple of really good opportunities last night in the first half and messed them up. Basically, they were they were free hits on goal, you know, under under very minimal pressure, loads of time to sort of pick your spot or get a good strike behind it, focus on your technique. And, you know, they were the disappointing efforts, aren't they? Let's be honest. Um, his stats, you know, he's not doing enough for a midfielder in the Premier League. The expectations these days that are that you're either scoring goals, you're making goals, um, or you're influencing things going the other way in terms of supporting the defence. So, And if you look at the rest of the midfielders, Alan, Takore, Townsend, Amari Gray, they're all producing in all of the areas that I've uh, just mentioned. Gomez isn't. Um, so, listen, I don't know whether he was one of the ones who was made available for transfer and, and there's perhaps been no takers, I'm not sure, but it wouldn't be surprised, uh, I wouldn't be surprised, sorry, if he's one of the ones that, again, we, we make available either in January or the summer because we need better. Um, 
and it, it's another example of that drop off in quality. So when when you look behind Alan and Decore, if you're thinking Tom Davis and and Gomez are your options, then you're going to struggle. Uh, and that brings me on to Tom Davis. So I think obviously the, the analysis of his performance last night has been quite universal. It was it was terrible. And it most often than not, it, 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 that 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 is his performance level. Um, you know, it, it, let me get this straight, Mick. You know, for for people listening, and I know a lot of people listening to our podcast, and we've we've got to say what we think. I'm going to say what I think, um, without sort of fear of backlash or anything like that, because I think that's the right thing to do. And as, and as soon as we start hiding behind, you know, what we think people may want to hear, I think we then don't become a very attractive listen. If I'm honest with you. It's not personal. I think that's a, a bit of a pathetic shout, really. Why would it be personal? I've got no feelings for Tom Davis as a person because I don't know him. I've only got opinions of him as a footballer. Agenda? No, I don't have one of those either. Unless wanting good play, only good players at Evan is an agenda these days. I don't have one of them. Uh, do I hate him? No, I think, again, that's, a, that's another really, really silly shout. I'm 38 years old. I hate the Tories. I hate burglars. I hate... I don't know, mayonnaise on me sandwiches. I don't hate Tom Davis. I just think he's an extremely poor footballer who's based on five years of watching him play, week in, week out, by the way. I've determined that I just don't think he's very good. He hasn't kicked on in five years. I don't. He never looks like he's got the fight or, or any sort of will to improve himself in any way. I don't know what he's particularly good at. He doesn't score, he doesn't assist, he's weak. Um, he's not quick. He doesn't impose himself on games. I think he hides from possession a lot. Um, and again, he's not. He's just not kicked on. He's not on his own. I think John Joe Kenny's in the same bracket as that. Mason Holgate's fast becoming stuck in concrete. He's he's not go. He's not improving. Um, but for some reason, Tom Davis seems to get this sort of free pass from a lot of fans, and I don't know what they're watching because he's not very good. In terms of, he wouldn't, for me, he doesn't get in any other um, midfield in the Premier League. And I include the bottom three. He doesn't get in. He's just not very good. And that's my opinion. Other people's opinions may differ. And that's absolutely fine. I won't judge other people. But that you've asked me for my thoughts. That's my thoughts on him. We need to be moving players like that. Regardless of what he earns, we need better at Everton Football Club. And if he's our backup, we're always going to struggle. No, Lee, it's all about opinions. Football is all about opinions. And like I've always said, this podcast, and what we've always said, shall I say, is about opinions and every opinion should be respected. Matthew, I know Lee has just touched on Mason Holgate, but we're going to come back to Holgate now. Holgate and Ben Godfrey, shall I say, they started at centre-half last night. Holgate's come under quite a lot of criticism, but... Ben Godfrey's now coming under quite a bit of criticism as well. He didn't have a great game at Aston Villa, and at times... He, he was poor. I know he was playing right back, not in his preferred natural position, but nevertheless, general footballing terms over the 90 minutes at Aston Villa, he was poor. He hasn't started the season great. He's had long COVID. He has been poorly. So you have to give him the benefit of the doubt there. But last night at QPR, you'd expect him to real boss that back four, wouldn't you? Boss Charlie Austin, boss what's in front of him. He just didn't, did he? And, and him and Mason Holgate, they look vulnerable at times. Yeah, they did, and I think we looked vulnerable most times uh, in any game with our centre halves. So I think it's a, it might be, it's probably a position we're probably most covered in. Yeah, I still think it's an issue, and uh, 
you know, um, you know, what is our best centre-half partnership? You couldn't, I couldn't, you know, if you ask 10, 15 people, you'd probably get seven different answers, you know, um, and that's, that's, a, that's an issue at a football club because, you know, your goalkeeper and your two centre-halves are probably up there with the two most important positions on the pitch. You need a strong spine and it starts from there and the best teams start from the back. They keep clean sheets. And we're struggling to do so, so far. Um, again, there seems to be the same mistakes from, from individuals. Uh, Mason's, Mason's really disappointed me since that sort of breakout season that he had um, in 2019. I, I, I saw a defender there that had gone away, gone away to West Brom on loan. And I know he played right back, but really matured in certain areas of his game. Um, positionally, he, he cut out some of the errors. Uh, he was physical at times, even though he's not the biggest frame. And he had that recovery pace that you, you know that you, you're going to get away with it at times because he, he can, get, can get back. He suffered a really bad injury in the preseason last season. And ever since then, mate, it's just been really, really poor. He's, he's gone back to that young, raw defender that we saw first come in in 2017. Why is that? You know, is, is this is that a Mason Holgate problem or is it a wider issue? Probably a little bit of both. You know, he's, he's had a lot of managers at Everton. I think this is probably his third, fourth manager now. But in the last two managers, he's had two really good... Def- you'd, ha- you'd say... Tap, you know, defensively, the last two coaches have been pretty good and you'd think he'd be learning, but he's not. Um, and I thought Godfrey was poor last, last night. Now, I'm not sure whether it's due to COVID. I'm sure that plays and that has, that has its, you know, that can't be easy for the player because, you know, when you, you miss the start of the season and it's difficult to pick your rhythm up. But again, he's making the same mistakes that he made last season as well. We we saw a defender that come in from Norwich last season, and what did we see? We saw power, we saw pace, something that we didn't really have in Keane and Mina. Though those two are good in a low block, but Godfrey gave us that recovery pace, and that's what we loved about him. But we probably overhyped him slightly in certain situations last season. He was sometimes out of caught out of position. Aerially, I think he's still poor. And I don't think he's... Last night, that second goal was basic. It's the basics of football. He gets he gets underneath the ball from a really easy cross. Uh, and Charlie Austin's just moved off him. A little bit of physicality. And, he, and he's nodding it in. They're simple, simple goals, Mick. I thought Rafa got it wrong with the centre-half partnership. Godfrey and Holgate cannot play in a partnership together. Keane or Mina has got to be in there. And, and we know that Mina can't really play two games in one week. So he's got, I thought Michael Keane, I thought that was the only mistake he got in the whole team last night. You, you, I thought he should have gone with Keane. I don't know why he can't play the centre-halves week in, week out. You know, centre-halves don't really need as big a rest as some of the attacking players. And it's good to keep some sort of continuity in your back four. They've got to improve, Mick. We've got to find a solidity within the team. And, and that goes for the whole team, not just the, the, the four centre-backs. But Rafa's got to find a way of getting that, that partnership right. 
Um, you'd probably say it's Mina and Keane right now with, with, with Godfrey having to play right back. But someone made a really good point on Twitter before that he struggles to play right back at times. He's actually better suited playing left back and we've got a very good left back. So he's going to have to re- either really improve it right back because I think he'll get opportunities there from now towards Christmas or he stakes his claim as a centre-back, but he's got to do it quickly and Everton have got to do it quickly because they've got some really difficult games coming up. Norwich mind you, aren't great defensively. In fact, they're pretty goddamn awful defensively, but they've, they've got a goal in them. They've got a goal in them and you know, we don't want to be conceding sloppy goals against them. We've got to get on the front foot on Saturday and get a couple of early goals, settle us down. And then we've got some really tricky big games coming up now. You know, we've got West Ham, Manchester United, and then we play some of the big boys away from home. And if we defend like we did in that 10 minutes against Aston Villa and we defend like we did in in, in the first half against QPR, we're going to get torn apart. So Rafa, that's that, that's where Rafa's got to sort that out. He's got to sort that solidity out. And, and both Godfrey and Holgate have got to improve massively. Lee, coming on to Rafa Benitez, he is another individual that is now receiving criticism on social media. Me personally, I think it's a bit unfair, a little bit unjust and probably too early in Rafa's tenure to start criticising him. For me, he's having to work with the players he's got. Obviously, the injury list is mounting. Only £1.7 million spent this summer. So he's having to work with what he's got. Nevertheless, like I say, he is coming under scrutiny and criticism now. The 3-0 defeat at Aston Villa, which is obviously three goals conceded there. Another two down at Loftus Road. Do you think criticism towards Rafa at the moment is fair? And Or do you think, yeah, you know what, you've got to give him time. Nevertheless, the season is an OK start. Beat Norwich on Saturday. It's a very good start still. What? Where do you sit with this one? Uh, I think it's incredibly unfair. I'm with you uh, on that, Mick. Um, listen, it's, it's not—he's not perfect, and, and there's things that perhaps he could have done better. And you and you and Matthew have pointed those out really, really well. Um, but overall, like you say, he's playing the cards he's been dealt. Um, for the first time in five, six years, perhaps, you know, we, we've spent barely nothing. You know, 1.7 million pounds in this day and age—that—that's chicken feed. Um, you know, we've seen players leave, players being unavailable for whatever other reason. Um, he's had a really, really difficult task coming into Everton at this time when we're in such a transitional period. Um, and overall, like you said, if we beat Norwich on Saturday, you know, there's a chance we could go top of the league. We're not going to because all the teams above us aren't going to get beat. But you know, we win, we win on Saturday, and we're probably going to find ourselves in the top four or five. So. I think that tells you all you need to know around about the the job that he's done so far, certainly in the league. Uh, he's been really unlucky with injuries. You know, to, to lose the the volume of our best players that we have already. We're only in September. You know, I've said I've said it before. You know, if Everton didn't have bad luck, we'd have no luck at all. So my frustration, not one ounce of it, is directed towards Rafael Benitez. A lot of it, well, most of it, if not all is aimed at the Everton board. The, this is the board's fault. You know, this this is their decisions, their mismanagement of our football club that we all love. Um, our fans deserve better. They don't... This board don't deserve 
Everton fans, because I don't care what anyone says, Everton fans are the best fans in the world, bar none. Look at it, we've had nothing to shout about for 26 years, you know, apart from a few little cup runs, you know, a couple of derby wins, whatever. Overall, we've had nothing to shout about yet. We fill out every away end, every home game, you know, we're the best fans, bar none. And they don't deserve us. Some of the decision-making that we've already touched upon, you know, that, that impacts what we see on the pitch of a weekend, midweek, whatever, it is, it's unforgivable, some of it. Um, and I just can't believe we've spent the, the, the amount that we have in the past few years and it's manifested itself into the squad that we see in front of us today. It's imbalanced. Um, you know, the... The under twenty three system isn't working. I know Ben touches upon that. He can't be. He's not on the podcast this evening, but I'm sure he would have touched upon that if he was. You know that needs ripping up and starting again. You know why are we persisting with something that isn't producing uh, the goods? It's not. You know there's no conveyor belt of quality youth players becoming available. You know to back up what we have in the first team. It's just not happening. You know young players who should be in that developmental stage between the ages of eighteen and twenty one. We touched upon it off air aren't kicking on. You know, if anything, some of them are going backwards. Um, we don't command transfer fees for, for players a lot of the time. We make a loss. You know, strategy-wise, recruitment's been incredibly poor. It's just been a catalogue of poor decisions which have resulted in this mess that we find ourselves in now. So all things considered, Benitez is doing a great job so far. What he's got to be careful of now is that he has to get things right himself because he's 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 got the hands of cards that he's been dealt with. But we all know we've said it from the start, he, he was never going to be afforded a lot of time from a section of Everton fans, rightly or wrongly. You know, he's not going to get that grace period, that leeway, unfortunately. So he's got to get decisions right. I believe he got a couple wrong last night. I agree. John Joe Kenny shouldn't be anywhere near that side. I'd have put Holgate or Godfrey right back and, and plonk Michael Keane in the middle with Godfrey or, or someone else. John Joe Kenny shouldn't be starting. Um, I don't think Tom Davis should be starting either. I don't think Rondon was anywhere near fit enough to start. There was other things that we could have done. So yeah, he could have got things better last night. He could have made better decisions. But overall, we've looked far better as an attacking proposition, as Matt said. We've just got, it just seems every goal we concede is down to an individual error. And that's what I don't know whether it's lapses in concentration. So that's something he's got to focus on. But overall, I think to lay the blame at the door of Rafael Benitez smacks a little bit of, I don't know, using him as a little bit of a scapegoat uh, for, for reasons other than just purely footballing ones. Um, it's not Rafael Benitez's fault why we're in the position we're in last night. I didn't I didn't turn that telly off last night thinking, oh, Rafa Benitez should have done this or that, or if it wasn't for him, we'd have got through there. I was just fuming at the whole situation that Everton find themselves in. And that ain't his, his fault. That's the board's fault. Matthew, Lee obviously doesn't think it's Rafa Benitez's fault. Like I say, he is coming under some scrutiny at the moment. So that then moves us on to the board and more so Marcel Brands and Farhad Mashiri. So do you then think, yeah, you know, over the last four or five years, Marcel Brands, Farhad Mashiri, one of them, two of them, however many of them, they should have assembled a better squad than what they have given the money spent. Do you think that's a fair assessment? Yeah, 100%, Mick. I think Lee, Lee's made some really good points there. You could go back all the way to the start of Mashiri's tenure for me. Um, 
you know, not appointing his own people on the board, keeping the same old faces. You know, that business when Mishu took over was a failing business. To continue with the same people for the five, six years that he's been there tells me that that man's not ruthless enough to take this football club forward. He's just not. The people in charge have let this football club down on a regular basis for too long now, Mick. And it, it, there's got to be change. There has to be change. This is not a personal attack on anyone. This is just me saying that this, the board of directors, the Everton Football Club, aren't good enough. Simple as that. They've shown that. The business is failing on every, nearly every level. And I say nearly every level because there's some positives. We've got a, a 52 or I hope slightly bigger stadium on, on the banks of the Roebley Mersey coming. You know, we do great work in, in the community. We all know that. But on the field, we've been failing for too long. And in the business side of the, the business side of the business off the field has been failing as well. And if we talk about Mashiri from the start, he appoint, he's appointed the wrong managers, starting with Koeman. And throughout his tenure, it's been quick, snappy decisions that have turned out to be really expensive mistakes the whole time. You know, Koeman's, your Allardyce's, your Silver's, that's all Farhad Mashiri. Farhad's got to take the blame for that. You know, our Farhad gave us great hope in 2015. And I applaud him for the money he's put into this football club. And I hope he continues to do so. But I, God, hope that he starts to see what's going on around him. He's got a director of football currently that, for me, is not pulling his weight, Mick. This squad is short. And it's short on so many levels. Now, we can all appreciate the situation they've got themselves in this summer. And I actually applaud them for finally taking a step back and saying, right, we need to get this house in order. Whether that's them or the, or the lenders for the stadium or the Premier League, whatever, it's, finally, it's good to see that the club's finally getting itself into shape. But for too long now, this squad has been left short. The managers that are in charge have been left short. And that's throughout Marcel Brown's tenure for me. He came in and he was dealt a really bad hand. There's no doubt about that. The man had 38 senior players. He had an academy ban and it was really, really difficult. All we asked for when he came in was a plan, a strategy. No one, except, no one except, uh, expected us to be winning the league within three years. In fact, I don't think any of us thought we'd even be anywhere near the Champions League within three years. I certainly didn't. I, I, I wanted a club that was going to be built from the bottom so in the long term we could be competing for the Champions League, the league. And if that took five to ten years, then so be it. Because five years down the line, we're further away than, or the same amount away than we were in 2015. Brands has left this squad short on too many levels and we're now replacing his signings. So that argument that Brands was dealt a poor hand and it was all on Walsh. That's gone for me now because we're replacing Marcel Brands signings now. Andre Gomez, expensive signing, useless. 
five central midfielders Marcel Brands has brought in since he joined the club. Over £100 million worth of fees on those players. And I think most fans, nine out of ten, would consider central midfield a really weak area of the team still. He's left us short at left back. We've got no senior, we've got one senior left back in the whole squad. And that we're talking right down to your under 18s levels because the under 23s haven't even got a, a left back. We've got no first choice right, right back, even though we've been relying on a man that broke his leg in two parts and is 33 years of age for about three years now. And until Rafa Benitez come in this summer, this team had zero pace. We had zero pace. It was slow. It was turgid. It was lethargic. And finally, we've got some wingers. Where's he been for three years? Does he not understand the football that Evertonians want? We want fast front foot, foot football. We want to get the ball out wide and we want to put crosses in. We want to get the ball, get the crowd going at Goodison and play quick attacking football. And we haven't had that. We didn't have one winger in the squad before this summer. And I, I, I've got to say, this, where's this, you know, there's... For me, there's still no strategy. We don't know the strategy and we, we don't know the strategy because no one talks to us, mate. And this is my biggest complaint. I haven't heard from Marcel Brand since 2019. I might give him some more credit if I knew what his plan was. The transparency from the whole board of directors just isn't good enough. And it's not just Marcel Brands. That goes for Bill Kenwright, Farhad Mashiri, Denise Barrett-Baxendale, the lot of them. It's not on. We talk about the fans there last night. We sell out everywhere we go, Mick. Whether that's a Tuesday night, a Thursday night, a Saturday evening, whatever. We sell out home and away. These fans expect more and they deserve more. And it's about time. Farhad, because he's the man with the key. He's, the, he's got the keys to, to this. He's got the keys to the castle. He's the one that can change this. We need a complete reset at bordering level. And that is the only way for me this club can progress in the long term. When you talk about building from the bottom at a football club, that has to start within for me. And when I mean by what I mean by that is you have to get the things right before you start looking outside of your club to try and say purchase players or do this or do that. So academies, under 23s, under 18s, all the way down to the kids. You have to implement a strategy and a strategy that is going to benefit the club in five to 10 years time where you will then reap what you've sown. I can't remember personally the last graduate to come through the Everton youth system all the way through where we where we've thought, wow, what a player we've got here. Obviously, we all remember the main ones, Wayne Rooney or even the likes of, dare I say it, Ross Barkley. When was, when was the last time Everton really produced a player where you thought, we've got a player here that could be with us for the next 10 to 15 years if we play it right? Even now, players coming through, in my opinion, they're, they're not up to it. They're not. And we know they're not up to it. The under 20... What, what fans have to realise is, and, and we're, we're all victims of it, when, when we see the under 23s get beat, and I'm just going to use David Unsworth's team, as an example, when we see them get beat, everyone thinks, oh, they've got beat, that, you know, we're rubbish, that team's rubbish. It's 
The under-23 is a development league. It's not about win or lose at that level. Nobody cares. And what I mean by that is, do you think Manchester United care if their lads get beat 3-0? With the greatest of respect, they don't give a toss. They do not care. The hierarchy are not bothered. So when Everton won the league, yeah, it was brilliant. The under-23s won the league. It means diddly squat. It means nothing. What they care about is how many players are coming through the system and are then going to benefit the first team. They would rather finish second bottom, but have three lads make the grade and step up than winning the league and have none. Because that's what the development team is there for. And that's why they called it a development league, because that's what it's there for. It's to benefit the first team. So when we talk about getting our house in order and, and building from the bottom, that's where the club have got to start looking at. Do the things right that you can do right, just by yourselves. And, and that becomes an expectation thing, holding people accountable, having responsibilities, having expectations within the club. Say, no, you know, David Unsworth, you know, no, we need, we need a couple of players every so often to come through the system that are going to benefit the first team. When was the last time we've seen any? We don't. We had Chris Perkins, a highly rated development coach, manager, director, whatever you want to call him. And with the greatest of respect, he had one sniff from Tottenham and he up sticks and left. Um, and that was because it's it's a bit of a mess under 23 and down. It, it is a bit of a mess. So, Lee, looking at David Unsworth, and I know, again, he is another one who's now coming under a lot of scrutiny and a lot of criticism from Everton fans. Do you think there should be more onus on David Unsworth, coaches all the way down to provide and go out and find these these gems? Because they, they are there, you know, Everton, Liverpool, Manchester, Cheshire, it's a huge catchment area. It's a real footballing hotbed. So mm-hmm. do you think that there should be more expectations from the coaches to go out there and, again, like I say, reap what we sow, start the process early and filter these players through? Yeah, there's got to be. You know, you think of David Unsworth and is he really being held to account for what he's producing? Because like you said, no one cares about the results. It, 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 you're quite right in what you said, Mick. It's not a results business at that level. It's about development. It's about that conveyor belt of every, let's, you know, you don't expect a golden nugget every single year to pop off that belt. That's unrealistic. You know, your Wayne Rooney's don't come about every year. They're maybe a once in a generation footballer. You're talking about the the greatest goal scorer that England and the biggest club in the country have ever had. No, but what you would expect is even if the players who are breaking into the first team don't manage to hold down a regular spot in the first team, that they at least will command a fee and the club will benefit by getting in a, a substantial transfer fee and investing that in players that perhaps are good enough in certain positions. We don't even see that. Um, there, there isn't a path, there isn't a pattern, there isn't, there doesn't seem to be a strategy. And if you think in any walk of life, in any job, everyone has KPIs, everyone has objectives. David Unsworth's objective shouldn't be, this is how many points we expect you to get this season or we want you to win the league or whatever cup competition that they're involved in. It should be every two years we expect a player to play I don't know, 10, 10 first, uh, make 10 first team appearances. I'm just making this up off the top of my head. But it has to be something about the progression from his um, setup into the first team. That's the whole point. Because ultimately, if that's not happening, what's the point in having it? You know, it's, it's, a, it's an overhead 
at the club, which it's not free. You know, I'm assuming each year it costs a tidy sum to keep these people in 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 employment. M- to milli- millions and millions of pounds, Lee. That's how much it costs, yeah. and I mean yeah. millions, yeah, a lot well, of that, money. It's not, yeah, it's a it's a lot, and that money. If ultimately, if we're not getting anything in return for that investment, that money could be better spent elsewhere. Just fold it. So it has to be, it has to be reevaluated. People need to be held accountable. Like Matt said before, we need to be more. That board needs to become a lot more ruthless in the nature. It, it, every decision we make, there needs to be one underlying question that the boards are asking themselves: Is this in the best interest of Everton Football Club? Not, uh, is he an ex-player? You know, is there a sentimental value for giving them a position at the club? Do we owe him something? Whatever. Rubbish. Because we're on this hamster wheel of mediocrity and it's insanity. Do, doing the same thing and expecting a different result is is just the first sign of insanity. We've got to change things up. We have to change our tact and that starts from the bottom, like you say. There doesn't seem to be an identity from within the club and it does seem, like Matt said again, jobs for the boys with Everton. Uh, and and people are onto it. Our fans aren't stupid. I've said that. I've I've said this on a number of occasions. We're a very very intelligent, switched on fan base. We're in, we're invested in our club. We know exactly what's going on, and we don't like it. And it's not producing results. So things have to change, and things have to change quickly. Because it, let's say if if Farhad Mashiri, God forbid, decides to pull the plug on his investment, where where would that leave us? We've got to hope that guy. You know, makes better decisions, hires better, you know, better quality individuals around him to make better decisions, but continues to invest. If that doesn't happen, then we could be in, we could be in knee deep in, you know what, very, very quickly. So I agree with the points that have been made. It's uh, it's a part, it's a huge part of our football club that needs addressing very, very quickly. Mm, yeah, I agree, Lee. And like I'm trying to say is you control the controllables and Everton can control what happens within the club under 23s and down. And we've got to start getting that right immediately. It's gone on for far too long where we're not benefiting from having it in and around the club. So if we if we move on from the under 23s, James Rodriguez has left the football club today, Matthew. A big saga. It's been happening for a long time. I think we all thought it would happen in the summer. It didn't happen due to a, a number of reasons. But once Carlo Ancelotti left, I think we all thought, yeah, it, it's it's going to happen. But ultimately, it's now happened and he's joined a club in Qatar for a nominal fee, but he's off the wage bill. Do you think that Everton will probably be breathing a sigh of relief this evening, thinking, yeah, most of his wages are now off the wage bill? Well, I think Rafa Benitez is, because he might, he might get some other questions in his press conference now, but Overall, mate, this is this is a sad state of affairs, and it probably reflects what we just spoke about—the lack of strategy within the football club, owners meddling, lack of, you know, the lack of planning by the director of football. If he had, even if he had any say, this is a this is a player that had a really poor injury record before we signed him. Um, yeah, was probably the most talented player I've seen in my. 22 years as a boy in Everton. Had a great start to the season, as did Everton. And I think we probably saw the positive side of Hammers up until about February last season, when Everton generally looked like they were going to finish in Europe. Every time he stepped on that pitch, Mick, I thought, 
he's done well there. And he didn't play every week, but I never expected him to play every week. But he produced on the pitch. And I don't know what happened around March last season. I don't know whether he lost interest or he wasn't keeping himself in shape, but he couldn't stay fit. And the odd time he did get on the pitch, he was next, he was he didn't do a thing, unfortunately. And we had that whole saga at the end of last season where he just disappeared and he he went car, you know, he was Carlo's pet, wasn't he, really? You know, he he was like a son to Carlo and he treated him differently to the rest of the squad, which which does isn't good for squad harmony. You know, certainly at a club like Everton, you've got to be fighting for the cause, all fighting towards one thing. And I don't think we had that. Um, he flew off to Colombia without saying hello to the home fans, which I find absolutely bizarre. I've got no issues with the man going back to Colombia because he wasn't going to play against Manchester City. He wanted to go see his family. It's been a, it was a tough year for everyone with a lockdowns, but to not stay and at least just stay for the for the game and you can fly off after the game, whatever. But he didn't even say hello. And as soon as, like you said, as soon as Carla left, for me, the writing was on the wall. Rafa plays a certain way. Everton want to play a certain way. And, you know, with the with the way our finances are, you can't be carrying players who, whose heart isn't in it on 200 or grand a week. Um, I've seen stuff on social media, people blaming one person, the manager. This is a three-way decision. No doubt Rafa Benitez thinks these Hamas's wages can be saved and spent wisely in the coming windows. It doesn't suit Rafa's style of play. But the club's made a decision here that Hammers just hasn't played enough all season, you know, last season. He wasn't going to play this season and you can't be carrying 200 grand's worth. And I think this is, Hammers has got to take responsibility as well because, you know, he's not exactly kept himself fit and in shape at times, certainly over the summer, certainly at the end of last season. And I think it's best for all parties that he's left we can now concentrate on what we've got. My annoyance with the whole saga is I don't, I can't personally fathom why he never wanted to go back to Porto. His hometown, or sorry, he's not, he's, he's, that was sort of where he was born as a, as a footballer. He had Porto are a, a, a really decent side. They've got a very, very exciting Champions League group. And he's decided to go off to Qatar and with all due respect, I, I wouldn't, you know, that's not exactly the high, highest level of football for a 30-year-old. 30, a 30 and I say that again, make a 30-year-old player that's got a lot to offer. So it's a shame for Everton. It's a shame for Hammers. It's a shame for us fans because we haven't seen him live. But this is the best decision for the football club. We can now all move on. The players, the staff, the media. And let's hope Everton can use those wages wisely over the next window. Hopefully we, we might see that in the, the, the winter window, but if not, next summer, and, and we, can, we can try and replace him with players that are going to play week in, week out and want to be at Everton Football Club. Lee, I, I agree with Matthew. I'm glad that it's all over and the saga's now been and gone. James Rodriguez was a player, obviously a wonderful footballer, wonderful talent, but ultimately 
he didn't want to be at Everton Football Club and we are in no position to carry even the greatest of players. So are, are you happy that it's now gone? We can put it behind us and Rafa Benitez, Marcel Brands can now focus on maybe January transfers with that wages saved? Yeah, I think Ma- Matthew's articulated the whole situation perfectly. I think uh, there's not much further I can add. I agree with the points that he's made. I think we're, we're best off, you know, unfortunately. It was always going to happen. I don't think there's anyone in particular to blame. I think he wanted to go. The club wanted him to go. Um, and it's, it was in the best interests of the club, ultimately, that, that he left today. And that's what's happened. Obviously, I'm massively disappointed just from a from a, a football fan sitting here. I'd, I'd love to see him play, seeing him play live. It's just the most evident thing that's ever happened that a player of his calibre of his, is, is standing in the game um, has come, spent over 12 months at our club and not one of us has ever seen him kick a football other than in a friendly. It's just absolutely bonkers. Um, but it is what it is. He's gone. Um, you know, it'll always go down as history as, you know, Hamez played for Everton, set up the winner in a derby, but no one ever seen him. So did it really happen? Um, but my focus now, as with everything, I just care about what's best for Everton Football Club. Um, I don't hold any sort of passion or allegiance towards James Rodriguez. It's all about what's best for the club. And we need to now make sure we don't make the same mistakes as we have in the past, investing money in the wrong people, the wrong players. Uh, that money has to be used wisely um, and reinvested, hopefully, in January. Obviously, the target and the challenges now that we're, we still have something to play for come January because it does leave us very, very short. Obviously, you can't deny that a player of James Rodriguez's quality could have benefited us if we could have come to some sort of resolution between now and January. Uh, but, but that's not to be. So we need to find a way. And Benitez, that's what he's paid to do, of staying in the hunt. So that come January, hopefully we can reinvest. We are able to do so. You know, limitations are relaxed a little bit. Um, and the recruitment team make better decisions. But listen, he's gone. He's gone now. So I won't give him a second thought. Okay, guys, we now look ahead to Saturday's fixture versus Norwich City at Goodison Park, a 3 pm kickoff. Matthew, Norwich come to Goodison on Saturday, played five in the league, lost five, two goals scored and 14 goals conceded. So a minus 12 goal difference they currently stand at. Everton have a host of injury worries. Most of them will not be back, we are presuming, in time for Saturday. But do you still expect Everton to have enough to get the three points here? Yeah. Uh, If we haven't got enough, make them, we're in big trouble this season because, you know, I've said, I actually think Norwich are a a better team than, than the They've shown so far. I think Daniel Farker, the sort of time that Norwich has run out, if I'm being honest, if I was a Norwich fan, I'd be pretty annoyed. I think they've they've actually strengthened quite well. I think they've got some good players, but really naive football t- team at times. Um, very, very open. Seems to concede a lot of goals. Um, you know, I think, um, I, I'm, I'm hoping Lucas Dinier is all right. That was just a, a small knock against... QPR and he's back and we should see a similar side to the one that went out against Villa which whilst it was lacking a, a main centre forward 
it was probably, you know, the rest of the team's definitely good enough to get past the Norwich City side at Goodison Park. No game's easy in this league, mate. You know, um, you know they're all good teams. A lot of, Norwich has spent a lot of money this this summer. Um, and you've always got to be wary of a team that's hungry for their first win. But we should be hungry as well, mate. You know, we've had two poor results now and the players should be, you know, chomping it a bit to get back um, in front of Goodison. Uh, we've had two wins there so far. And we, we should be looking to to get right on that front foot. 13 points out of the first six games. If someone would have offered that to me at the start of the season and a bit of the handoff, you can only play what's in front of you. What happened to us last season was we didn't win the games that we should win. You know, the Burnleys, the Fulhams, the Newcastles. We couldn't win our home games. You've got to win these games to get within any chance of even being in the top half this season, let alone Europe. We've got to win on Saturday, make no mistake. I don't think it's, you know, people are saying it's Rafa's under pressure. Rafa's always under pressure. Every Everton manner should be under pressure. Every Everton manner should be under pressure to win. You know, that should come with a territory of being a, an Everton manager. But I think if we, we'll have enough on, on Saturday to get through, I think we've got enough in attack. I think the attack looks good. I think we get back to Keane and Mina at the back or Keane and Godfrey, uh, Mina and Godfrey or whatever way it works. Um, and we should have enough. Decore and Alain's working really well this season and there's no reason why Townsend and Gray can't continue their good form, Mick. Lee, do you share Matthew's thoughts on on that for Saturday? Do you think Everton should still have enough to to pick up all three points and kick on? Yeah, absolutely. I fully expect a win on Saturday, um, regardless of one or two who may be out. I think you know. It, again, if, if we haven't got enough for Norwich, then that's a, a huge concern for me. They're, they're there to be got at at the back. You know, def- defensively they're woeful. You no, know, they, they play some pretty stuff, but overall they leave themselves wide open and. We have looked good going forward and we, we've looked very, very dangerous. Some nice little interchanges. I, I like the way we're, we're operating going forward. So, Everton, are, you know, look at, look at the season. You've only got to look at the statistics so far. We're, we're good for a goal or two in almost every game that we play. Um, it's all about cutting out the individual errors, um, which unfortunately have been our demise far, far too often of late. So, the defenders need to be switched on, you know, Pookie on his day is just another one of those players who you think is going to come and haunt Everton at Goodison Park. I don't want to see a repeat of last season. Um, we've talked about the improvement in the home form and winning the games that we should be winning so far. That's been you know pleasing to see with Southampton and Burnley already dispatched, but we need to do exactly the same to Norwich. Um, the only thing that concerns me a little bit is if Calvert-Lewin is going to be out I'm not sure whether Richarlison's going to be fit or not. I don't know, Mick. I can't remember if he's ruled out already. I'm not it, it, sure. It, yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a big doubt. That's my concern. I just think Rondon isn't fit. He's not fit to be starting at that level. Like you say, although we're favourites to beat Norwich, you can't take these things for granted. So I think we need to find another way, whether that's Damari Gray going up front on his own and maybe putting a Wobie in on one flank and Townsend in on another. That may, might be one option to go forwards with, but personally, I wouldn't be starting Rondon at the weekend. I don't think he's anywhere near ready. Um, but overall, I think we'll find a way. I think we need to um, just make sure we keep switched on and 
I still fancy Everton to come out on top on Saturday because we have to in order to take pressure off the game that comes up next, you know, away at Man United because, you know, let's be honest, it's very, very unlikely that we're going to get anything out of that game. So it's important that we get full return from this one. Even a point, I think, would be pretty dreadful. Okay, guys, it's that time again. It is prediction time. Saturday, 3pm, Goodison Park, Everton versus Norwich. Matthew, we'll come to you first. What is your prediction? I'm going to go for a hat-trigger. Three ones at Goodison this season. Mick, three one Everton. Three one Everton and Lee. Um, I'm going to go for our first clean sheet at Goodison in the season. I'm going to go two nil. Two nil, and I am going to go two one to the Blues. Two one, and that's all we've got time for. We will be back Sunday with all the fallout, match analysis, and all the talk from Everton versus Norwich. In the meantime. Stay safe. Matthew Lee, thanks for joining us as always. Stay safe, take care, and we'll see you Sunday. All the very best.